0: you know they just don't care I can't take the smell can't take the noise got no money to move out I guess I got no choice Rats in the front room Rojas in the back Junkies in the alley with the baseball bat I tried to get away but I couldn't get far cause a man with a tow be repossessed my car Don't push me cause I'm close to
1: the Welcome edge. back to The White Bikini My name is Marie White and joining me today is my co-host Nicholas Banton How are you Nicholas?
2: I'm great Marie It's good to be with you once again
1: The beautiful Sunday morning. We normally don't tape on Sundays, but I'm liking the Sunday vibe.
2: Let's go for it. I think this is going to be a great episode today.
1: Today, we are celebrating, though a little early, but it's officially 50 years since the beginning of hip-hop.
2: All right, let's get into it.
1: I still question the authenticity of that, but I'm going to go with it. Okay. In my mind, hip-hop started in 1980, and that's the end of the conversation, but here we go. Do you know elements of hip-hop?
2: I think I can come at you with four. We have breakdancing, we have graffitiing, we have MCing or rapping, and we also have the, the turntable, the DJ.
1: There's some debate over the number of elements of hip-hop. There are four key elements that are considered to be its pillars, which before this podcast, I really didn't think were important, but it is important to specify the differences of hip hop. Yes. It's DJing or turntabling, rapping, also known as MCing, rhyming and graffiti painting, also known as graph or writing, and breakdancing, which I never knew was known as B-boying.
2: B-boying. B-boys and B-girls. Yep.
1: I hate to say this, but I think you're cooler in this podcast than I am.
2: I'm cooler in all the podcasts. Yes, lady
1: that encompasses hip hop dance style and attitude along with the sort of viral body language that philosopher cornell west described as postural semantics there is a fifth element it's an essential component called the knowledge of self-consciousness. And others have suggested, which I agree with, elements include street fashion and language.
2: Yeah, and I think there is a sort of a meta narrative to hip hop that involves an expansive consciousness. They try to put a larger social awareness message or social justice message in their hip hop performances.
1: How did hip hop get its name, do you know? I don't know this one. There are a few explanations for the source of the term from hip-hop. The most popular one involves Keith Cowboy Wiggins, a member of the rap group Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, for my personal favorite. The rapper used the words hip-hop, hip-hop, imitating the sounds of soldiers marching in a reference to a friend who had joined the army. According to many accounts, Kevin, I love this name, love Bug Starsky Smith, was with Wiggins. Hip hop was subsequently popularized in songs. Notably, my personal favorite, and I think you'll agree, Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. What about my man DJ Coolhart? I'm getting there. I have a list. Stay with the agenda. I'm the brains of this business. Who were the founders of hip hop? I when researching this, I really again, my to me, it did not start until Rapper's Delight, but the founder of hip hop, and this is where the 50 years is based on is given credit to Cool Herc Clive Campbell, a Jamaican immigrant who was the first major hip hop disc jockey. And at a Bronx party on August 11th, 1973, Cool Herc introduced the technique of playing the same album on two turntables and extending the drum section, which became known as the breakbeat. Many recognize this night as the birth of hip hop.
0: This is DJ Kool Hurt, the father of hip-hop. This is going out to my man over in Japan. You, talk to, me, you, talk, you talk to, me, to my man, Crazy A. This how we do. For all the b-boys and b-girls. Right about now we rock, rock the jam with the jammers. Keep on. To all the breakers out there. This is you, y'all. This is for you, y'all.
1: Other pioneering hip-hop DJs include Africa Bambaataa and Grandmaster Flash. The three are often called the holy trinity of early hip-hop.
2: And for you kids out there, it's Africa Bambaataa. Whatever. any opportunity any opportunity
1: but I like that I think I think it's a little bit of everything it's a couple different personalities being the blending influence because I don't think any genre can just it didn't all start one Friday afternoon but in this case it's a little bit of everything kind of bringing it together I mean obviously 1973 is even before my time in terms of having any understanding but if you look at the culture of Zeitgeist 1980 is not that far from
2: 1973 no and it's interesting because one of the origin stories that I learned about hip hop was that after a major blackout in the 70s, I want to say 79 possibly. And the story goes that it was after this major blackout in New York City, there were a series of break-ins into uh, record stores, stereo stores, and some of the equipment stolen later laid the foundation for hip hop that emerged in the 1980s.
1: Yeah, As I said to me, it was 79, 80, but we are correct that what was the first hip hop song is Rapper's Delight? Well,
2: I think in terms of cultural appeal, yes, I think that's where hip hop became popular in a wider audience. and that's kind of where we make take these measurements. What kind of impact does a particular art form does a particular genre have on the broader audience? And so that's where we are.
1: The Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight came out in 1979 and was considered the first significant single of the genre. Within weeks of its release, it became a chart-topping phenomenon and gave its name to a new genre. Part of its crossover appeal was attributed to its light-hearted lyrics, which were atypical of most rap songs at the time. And I kind of think about the analogy to Motown. Motown in the beginning was all kind Kind of love songs, people really, I guess, accommodating the white
2: audience. Well, if you want to make money, that's what you have to do. <laughs>
1: but by the mid to late 70s, a little earlier, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, they wanted to talk more about the Black experience. And that's where a lot of the break from Motown came, because they didn't want to keep singing about love. They were, you know, Living in the City is one of my favorite songs. So they wanted to talk more about the authentic Black experience. And again, Rapper's Delight is a fun song, but that's all it is. It kind of goes back to what we always say, the minstrel shows. Yeah, I mean,
2: and, and if you look at it, this pattern has existed in American history since the beginning. The degree to which Black artists could talk about their experiences and how it would make white audiences uncomfortable to even where we are now, where... Essentially, the whole pushback against critical race theory is the degree to which it makes white parents uncomfortable. It has nothing to do with history or facts. It's about the degree to which it makes people uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I mean, even with rock music, it's, you know, it was Elvis Presley, Love Me Tender. And then, you know, by the mid 60s, it was Buffalo Springfield. It was Crosby, Stills and Nash. It's, you, everything has to evolve to really reflect the current reality. I
2: and mean, when rock music burst, Launch. it was considered it was called race music if I'm not mistaken so even the fact that it had ties to the black community made it unpopular so these genres that have evolved these art forms that have evolved throughout American history they've had to overcome the stigma of being associated with non-white audiences and I I just want to give a shout out to the brown community the Latin community in New York in the Bronx that contributed to the evolution of rap yes the black community took the lead but you know if you talk to you know the Latin brothers out there and sisters, they will tell you how they took that art form and made it their own and how they helped to evolve it from the very start.
1: That's kind of what I like about music. It's we've all passed the torch to another generation, whether it be rock, hip hop, everything at some point, a certain generation can't bring them any further.
2: Agreed. Agreed. And a new voice and a new standard bearer emerges to take to take up the mantle and move forward.
1: I often think about a few years ago, I read an interview with Sting and probably at the time, you know, he he probably thought he was older. He's probably in his early 40s. And he said, I'm a father of five kids. I can't write rock. Roxanne anymore. It's not my reality of my life and that's where I think each generation needs to move the genre forward and have a different voice. Whether we agree or not doesn't matter. It's their experience.
2: Agreed. I was a late 80s, 90s kid and the hip-hop artists at the time that were preaching a message, those guys are now in their 50s and 60s. There is now the opportunity for a new generation to step in and take the mantle, as I said. Every generation of artists have come forward and they've added a flavor to it. Go from the sound of rapper's delight to a Tupac or Biggie or an NWA you know we're in the era of mumble rap which is not my personal favorite but it is part of the evolution of the art form
1: yeah and if you think about you know Jay-Z you know we talked about Biggie this year would have been 50 Snoop Dogg's in his early 50s that generation in the 1990s were angering people's parents because they were so angry but they were talking about their experience
2: and that's when you know you're relevant when people are getting angry that's when you know you're relevant and to tie it into something else going on in our society right now, critical race theory and discussion around that. When you're making people angry, you know you're touching a nerve. And so the challenge for these artists is to really lean in and talk about their truth and discuss what's really happening in their lives.
1: And even, you know what, we really have to give a shout out to Ice-T. They
2: all contributed. Some are minor figures, some are major figures, and some are minor in the sense that they didn't sell a lot of records. But they're major in terms of, their voice and the message that they convey to their art form.
1: Ice-T is 65 years old, but his cop killer dropped in the mid-90s. And the outrage that happened when that song came out, I was startled.
0: For every cop that has ever taken advantage of somebody, beat them down or hurt them because they got long hair, listened to the wrong kind of music, wrong color, whatever they thought was the reason to do it. For every one of those fucking police, I'd like to take a pig out here in this parking lot and shoot him in their motherfucking face.
1: as time has evolved, I am an advocate of the police and anyone that's doing their civic duty. But at the time, that was their experience in LA, Compton, New York, being stopped because they were African-American and we had to respect the message. We don't have to agree with it, but we have to respect it. It's their story to tell.
2: And I think this is kind of where we are. I think we're in a bifurcated society. And I think one side has decided that it's okay if you got to crack a few heads in order to make white America feel safe. I think uh, America has spoken, I think, Part of the country decided yes that's what they want to do and the other half says no we have to change how we move forward so this is part of the discussion that we're having right now this is whether it's black lives matter or from the police and i think these titles really do a huge disservice to the conversation that we had but i think hip-hop has been a component of how we've gotten to a place in 21st century america where we're having another set of discussion around race because hip hop is always agitated. That's one of the key elements of what makes it so instructive.
1: This is kind of a weird analogy, but I, as you know, I work you know where I work and I was talking to a young girl her car broke down and I, I guess she was late to work and I wasn't questioning I, you know because in my mind I get in my car that's working and just drive to work and I said is everything okay she's like no my car broke down she had to drop it off at the shop then on her lunch break she had to take a bus to go pick it up and by the time she came back she was so angry and for the first time I, I was kind of started I'm like I would have driven you but it's we, all, we are in this country we are all living in different realities
2: I would agree with that
1: and I Work with very young girls who another girl I work with, her mother was in the hospital. She was so sick, she had to call the ambulance. Her mother called her. Her mother collapsed in the car. But I guess for me it was was just kind of like, why didn't you call an ambulance? Well, they're African American. There was probably a reason. Is that fair?
2: Yes, there are many reasons. One, the ambulance, police, fire, emergency services, they tend to take their time coming to black neighborhoods. Two, the cost of a simple ambulance ride can be four, five, six hundred dollars. That's half of your rent.
1: Yeah, I I didn't say it, but I felt bad. I was like, oh, I said, you know, I said, why don't you call an ambulance? And then she kind of looked and I was like, like, I said, okay, I, I got it, you know, and and here's just two girls that I talked to. And that's in a week's time. And I thought, you know, their struggle is real for everyone. And this is where we all have to have someone speaking to our experience. But white America that I am included, you always say, it. we don't want to know how the sausage is made. We just want the sausage to arrive at our table.
2: Yes. And I think for white America, hip hop has been a way of romanticizing the struggle without having to get your hands dirty. And listen, there's nothing wrong with it. If you have the opportunity to live in the suburbs, if you have an opportunity to live in a good neighborhood and you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever ethnic background you come from, and you have that opportunity, I say go for it. It's not about romanticizing the the black experience to the point of it becoming unreal. The ghetto is a dangerous place. It's a struggle. So anybody who has the opportunity to get at, get the heck out. But it's about choosing not to recognize that this isn't simply a movie. The songs that are you're hearing on the radio, these hip-hop songs talking about the black experience, this is real. So it's the degree to which you want to interact with that reality. And I think that's one of the things that hip-hop has always done. As I've said, it's, it agitates, it agitates the conscience.
1: And for me, I wanted to say to them, well, at least your mom's feeling better and at least you got your car fixed. But they were angry. And I said, you know what? I would be too. I think people just want to be heard, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a song. I feel like we're living in so many different pods in this country that it's 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 isolating that again, that sense of community that we used to feel. But also, let's be honest, there was a generation and you and I remember the women we used to work with. They were that generation of women that never complained or I I think now a younger generation, they're angry, they're not going to be mistreated and they're going to let you know it. Exactly.
2: And I think for generations in the black community, there's been a pattern of abuse, whether it's from the police or just the broader criminal justice system. I mean, think about it. We're talking about criminal justice reform when only 30 years ago we were talking about super predators to paraphrase Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden about how essentially that somehow black men possessed peter natural abilities to commit crime. We've come a long way and there is a long way yet for us to go and throughout that entire history hip-hop has been speaking to america telling the truth telling the truth of the black experience the brown experience even rapper like eminem someone who's talking about what it's like to be poor a poor white
1: and you know what you're right eminem is definitely that very unique voice
0: I read about your uncle Ronnie too, I'm sorry. I had a friend himself over some who didn't want him. I know you probably hear this every day, but I'm your biggest fan. I even got the underground that you did with scam. I got a room full of your posters and your pictures, man i like you did with rockets too that was bad anyways i hope you get this man hit me back just a chat truly yours your that band. it this did
1: stand. bring out the reality that there are many white americans experiencing poverty and struggle and he brought that out and he deser- he deserves to be on this list oh
2: god yes i i don't listen i understand that for some people, people of color, that the idea of expanding the brotherhood, so to speak, and the, or the sisterhood, the broader hip-hop community to include white people, it's just anathema to what hip-hop's all about. I, I know that idea, that perspective exists, but I don't think it's a legitimate position that you can take because at the end of the day, we're all human beings having human experiences. And yes, when your skin has a little bit more pigment in it, your struggle is a little bit realer. And let's let's face it, you could be making six figures driving luxury cars and you're still getting pulled over. I remember, you know, my uh, when I was a child, my, my preacher getting pulled over in Laura Marion Man drives a Cadillac, dresses like a mob boss. And I mean that in the best sense of the word, <coughs> very dapper. And still he was getting pulled over by Laura Marin police, questioned. And this is a civic leader. This is a leader in the community. Someone who goes around feeding the poor and generally acting on people's behalf. And yet even he was getting pulled over. So, you know, oftentimes I hear the pushback, uh, usually from, uh, white America that it's all economic. You know, once you, if you're not poor anymore, then no, this guy was living on the main line. Like I said, driving a luxury car, decent human being, certainly wasn't dressed, you know, baggy pants and hooded sweatshirts. He was still getting pulled over. So you're right. There, it, it, there is a broader message. There's a broader struggle that I think we can all relate to.
1: And I think too that the generation, I'm going to say from 60 to 70 and maybe even bring it down to 55, they were the generation that assumed that they would have their parents' experience of a life and a retirement. The problem is now is by the just say by the early 90s, you know I worked for Strawbridge and Clothier, which was a big department store in Philadelphia. When I started with that company, just say in 1990, there was a pension. I assumed and I was in my mid-20s that I was going to retire from that company. But by the mid to early 1990s, the world was shifting and those jobs which would keep us sustaining our lives of switch went off. And I'm a white girl in a good suburb. So all of these manufacturing jobs, everything that was sustaining North Philadelphia, West Philadelphia vanished. I completely
2: agree. And I think it's actually a really relevant tie-in to the hip-hop experience because what you, what you experienced in the 1990s started in the Black community in in the 60s and 70s, so 25, 30 years earlier, that hollowing out of the economic base in the black community led to the deprivation and the poverty and the struggle that hip-hop spoke about in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, and bored so, and of that. So it, it is interesting that, this, that there's a parallel. It's just that the worst, sort of the worst impacts, the worst economic struggles usually happens in the black and brown community first, and then in the white community. The point being is that we're all human beings, as I said, living a human experience uh, struggling. But sometimes it's interesting to note that you can think of hip-hop, and this is not something I ever really thought about before, as almost as a harbinger of things to You talk about Ice-T, singing about cop killer. Well, in some ways you could say it was a portent of the defund police movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. At some point, any community is just going to say, yeah, enough is enough. You can't drag our men, our boys, our brothers and fathers out of their cars and beat them senseless without any repercussions because that's how it has been.
1: And and I think, you know, you're right, because now I'm stopping to think about, I go back to Stevie Wonder, because I think I'm a Stevie Wonder fan, but I'm a Stevie Wonder fan when he was really living in the city. I didn't like his romantic stuff in the 1980s. But again, you're right, by the mid-1960s, those jobs were evaporating from the cities. So Stevie Wonder's generation and their children would be your age. They're Mm -hmm. not maintaining those jobs. And then the world flipped. And now hip-hop is giving that experience, but it's not helping the experience and nothing's getting better. At least not
2: right now. I would agree with you. Nothing's getting better right now, but I think we can look at it at it this way. You can't solve a problem unless you've described the problem. And I suspect what hip-hop is doing, what the larger or wider social justice movements are doing right now, is that we're having a conversation and we're the problem. The solutions, listen, I'm not a pessimist. I, I would say I lean more realist to optimist because that's just how I get through the day. Otherwise, you know, why bother? But I think what we're experiencing right now, these solutions won't land. These solutions won't be activated for another generation or two. We're in the last gasp of a white majority in this country. And I think once we get through that bubble of political salience, political relevance, we'll be in a multicultural society and I'm sure there'll be problems with that. But I think we can perhaps get closer to all singing from our similar hymn book in terms of addressing the pro- the problems that exist in black and brown communities, it's a matter of time. We're either going to solve the problem or we're going to fall apart. And I don't really think we're going to fall apart. I know people like to talk about civil war and all that nonsense. I don't think that's a likely outcome. I actually believe a, a solution, maybe not the ideal solution, but a solution to the problem is a more likely path forward.
1: No, I, I even, I heard Josh Shapiro interviewed And I was so happy. I meant to text you. One of the first things he was talking about is the focus on bringing vote education back. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, that to me, even if it's in the next 10 years, is going to change and revitalize the Philadelphia area. I believe idleness is the devil workshop. And I believe if you can get people to work hard at a trade they like, it's definitely going to change the city. And the city needs a lot of help. They need strong craftsmen in this city, whether it's, you know, white black black female male mm-hmm. i do I believe even and i i know it sounds weird but even in my job there was a shift when donald trump was president there was a level of anger and racism directed at me somewhat, but I feel it's evaporated. I don't. Maybe it was President Biden being elected, but there is definitely a shift in the anger. It's there's more. I, I'm going to steal it because I love the analogy. We all realize we're in the same boat together and we need to be fighting with the man now, not us, not each other. Yeah. Let's get at it.
2: The black community has always succeeded when it had white allies. And so I think that is the path forward.
1: I was helping to Hispanic gentleman in fragrance at the job I work at. And I literally was all over the place trying to find something for them. And I think they were startled that I went so, uh, like I was in the back, I was looking in drawers. I took about a half hour with him because that's who I am. And when I came out, there was definitely, he was like, ma'am, thank you. Like he was so grateful, but he could sense it really came from me actually caring. And I found what they needed. And I think he was startled because I think people misinterpret me as You know, a white woman Mm -hmm. that the life I'm living is so different from theirs. And it's really not. And I just really felt that connection with that client. And, they, you know, I said, no, I said, I was happy to help you. I mean, it took a good half hour and I know they were startled, but I am sensing a small shift, even in the retail environment, that there's a sense of uh, community coming back together, laughing, making fun, teasing, but in a good way where two years ago it wasn't. People were angry.
2: Right, right. No, and I, I I come back to the point of this conversation is that hip hop speaks to this. Hip hop culture speaks to bridging the divide, bringing people together. Um, yes, it it also highlights some very uncomfortable truths in the you know for the white community, but um, and the black community to be fair, because some of these wounds are self inflicted. No amount of bigotry or racism necessarily will lead you to neglect the needs of your children. Um, you know you you can understand it from the perspective of disparate economic means. But the idea that you're not involved in your own children, I don't necessarily think you can direct a critique on the white community for that. As a matter of fact, there was a letter that was sent out by the superintendent of the Upper Darby School District begging parents to speak to their children because of the number of fights taking place in the schools. Half a dozen fights a day.
1: I saw that. That's terrible. Yes. Yes. And
2: what was, to me, what was almost as terrible was there were, it was divided. There were parents who voice their support for the superintendent and saying, yes, something has to change. And then there are people on the other side. Well, why aren't you doing more? And I, I think maybe I'm just getting to the point where I am getting that old, where <coughs> it seems ridiculous to suggest that the superintendent, the schools are responsible for instructing children not to punch another child. I I, I I'd like to think it's not an age thing. It's a right or wrong thing. But all these struggles hip hop is spoken to Grandmaster Flash, you know, speaking about, you know, pissing the subway and. Broken glass everywhere. Bill collectors ringing his phone. I mean, these are still elements, major elements of the black experience.
1: I drive the way near that high school. And if it's a certain time of day, I have to be honest, I take a left right near there. And when there's kids and they're big kids and they are rowdy and I don't consider myself too old-fashioned, but I'm startled by the rowdiness just from them crossing the light.
2: And I think that's what the superintendent was talking to, that these kids are just completely indifferent to each other. And I'm going to go with that word. They're just indifferent to the lack of empathy towards one another.
1: Of course, we're getting away from hip-hop now, but on no, another- No, I don't think we are. I don't
2: think we are. I think hip-hop has always spoken about these these ideas.
1: I think some of this is a symptom of the pandemic. Agreed. You're talking about a girl or a boy who was shelter in place at 10. We are now three years and these kids are teenagers. And those cognitive years between 10 and 13, they are ready to set the world on fire because I think they're angry. I think they're depressed and they miss very formative years. And it's something in terms of the fighting at school. This mental health problem with the pandemic is not being addressed.
2: I don't think we're even at the solution phase yet.
1: And let's be honest, we don't even take mental health seriously. So they'll probably just avoid the conversation. Conversation. Yeah. Dr. King said
2: it best, that he talks about the budget, the, the federal budget, as being a moral document. It speaks to what is important to us. And look at your insurance plan. It speaks to what's important for us. We don't care about our eyes, teeth, or our minds and and i think this is the culture we live in mental health is just i i think it still ties into that whole puritanical issue where it's because you're not a good enough person you're not a good enough christian that you're experiencing these things so we don't care about you're right we don't care about mental health in this culture and let's face it hip-hop has spoken about mental health hip-hop has spoken to the struggles of living in in such a toxic environment and sometimes that toxic environment is a little toxic environment in terms of asbestos and and toxic, persistent toxic chemicals, lead contamination. For the most part, we don't think about lead as a major issue anymore. But in a lot of these ghettos, lead paint, asbestos and all these other carcinogens were in the buildings, in these tenements, in these projects that black and brown kids grew up in.
1: And, you know, speaking of hip hop, I definitely think Eminem Stan was a foreshadowing of the mental health crisis with, again, this generation, whether you be white or black, they yes. did not have the same employment as their fathers, and now they're living in these areas that they can't get jobs, and they start to fantasize about a different life that they can never grasp.
2: Yes. It's I, very I complicated. The... Now, who do you think are the relevant hip-hop artists? Let's break it down from generation. Old school hip-hop, or we could maybe break it down in four categories. Foundational hip hops, the founders, old school hip-hop. I already hip-hop. have
1: it written down. Can okay, we...
2: let, let's have it.
1: Old school hip-hop, well, there's it's broken down into three. three. Old school hip-hop was the first mainstream wave of the genre, marked by its disco influence, which I think is Melly Mel, Grandmaster, Flash. I think they're old school. Agree? Disagree?
2: Completely agree.
1: Then there's new school hip-hop, which I feel like I don't know it well. I'm thinking of like Drake, which you said it better when we were discussing getting prepared. It has that R&B influence. Lizzo, Mm -hmm. but I want you to add to the list.
2: I would break it down slightly differently. I think there is old school hip-hop, and the list that you prepared, I think, is a good one. Then I would say classic hip-hop.
1: they call it Golden Age, so maybe I'm golden, wrong. That is,
2: yep. Or Golden Age. I think either either term is fine, and that's where you have the N.W.A.s. That's where you have even an Ice T, Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Biggie, Tupac, even Jay Z. I think would fit into that category. Eminem kind of bridges the categories a little bit. There's a little, there's an aspect of Eminem that goes into the Golden Age classic hip hop sound that also transcends into the new generation hip hop sound. And that's how I see it. That That's how I see it. And I think there's a genre yet to come. And I think the kids that are now in middle school, they're going to do something radically different.
1: I agree. And I find I found this whole thing fascinating when I thought about the anniversary, I was kind of on the fence and I'm glad because it it so encapsulates everything that's happening into our society and I'm curious where hip-hop is going to go and I can't wait to see it.
2: Absolutely. I, th- I think the future is absolutely bright for hip-hop. I think having traveled the world a fair bit seeing hip-hop in places like Romania, France, and Japan, Germany. So in other words, hip-hop is now a global phenomenon and to see how what was interesting about hip-hop and its founding is that we talk about DJ Herc, the Jamaican founder in quotes of hip-hop back in the 1970s. DJ Kool Herc was spinning records, American music in Jamaica, and that influenced his sensibilities. So by the time he came to the United States, he had this hybrid musical repertoire that he called upon to create the early hip hop sound. And I think that's one of the things we should look for. We should look for what the world is going to send back to the United States, what the rest of the world is going to send to the Bronx and how that's going to influence the next generation of hip-hop artists because that's what I think is so fascinating about art and art form, how one generation can be influenced by another and then the subsequent generations are influenced by those who were the first group to see the art form.
1: And just as a follow-up, if you're interested, you know, there's a great documentary out. It's the 50th anniversary, as we've discussed and on PBS, Chuck D of Public Enemy, which honestly we could do another whole hour on who we, you know, Public Enemy was so important. Classic hip-hop. agreed. Post of four hour docuseries called Fight the Power How Hip Hop Changed the World and you can watch it currently on PBS I would just Google it to see where it's available and on any streaming media I think you, if you want to go a little deeper please check it out I agree
2: I think it's probably worth our time to do a breakdown of classic hip hop and what the messages were and why one artist was different from another the East Coast West Coast beef a thing because I think trying to tackle that in this podcast I think would be a, a bit much to break down hip hop elementally as well as cover the broader narratives that tie it all together. So I would love to do that in the future.
1: What's your favorite hip hop song? I already know mine, but I want you to know yours. Oh wow, that is a great I love
2: common. It's 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 a little bit of a throw, but he talks about the evolution of hip hop. And I think we'll play this, you know, as we um as the outro for this, for this uh podcast. How about
0: you? Juicy. Fuck all you hoes, get a grip motherfucker. Yeah, this album is dedicated. To all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. Yeah. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. So and all the niggas yeah. in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock through my tape. We the bamboo sippin' on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping through the hard the hard You never thought that hip hop would make it this far. Now I'm in the limelight, cause I run tight. Time to get paid, blow
1: up like the world's trade. Oh, well, there's yes. no other song that matters that exists. That song to me represents everything I need to know. So I think
2: for you and I, we all, most of our favorites go back to the classic hip-hop days, right?
1: Nick, I'm gonna break it to you now. We are OGs. Word to your mother. Thank you for joining us today on The White Bikini. Please remember to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or any of your podcast platforms. Please follow us on Instagram, and please join us next time. Thank you very much. Uh, yes,
0: yes, y'all, and you don't stop. To the beat, y'all, and you don't stop. Yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop. But uh, one, two, y'all, and you don't stop? Uh, yes, yes, y'all, and you don't stop. Until uh, the beat comes, says to beat the short sure shot. Come on. Come I met on. this girl when I was ten years old. And what I love most, she had so much soul. She was old school, when I was just the shorty never knew. Throughout my life, she would be there for me or the regular. Not a church girl, she was secular. Not about the the money, Those no stuff was my check her, but I respected her. She hit me in the heart. A few New York haunts had did her in the park. But she was there for me, and I was there for her. Pull out a chair for her, turn on the air for her and just cool out. Cool out and listen to her. Sitting on bone, wishing that I could do eventually. If it was meant to be, then it would be because we related physically and mentally. And she was fun then. I'd be geeked when she come around. Slim was fresh, yo, when she was underground. Original, pure, untapped of the down, sister. Boy, I tell you I miss her. A yes, yes, y'all, if you don't stop. To the beach, y'all, if you don't stop. A yes, yes, y'all, if you don't stop. A one, two, y'all, don't stop, yes, yes, y'all. If you don't stop, a consequence, y'all. If you don't stop, a yes, yes, y'all. If you don't stop, you act, yo, We gotta be the short shot. Periodically, I would see old girl at the clubs.